Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of World Forge. Hi. Hi. How are you all doing this week? Hello. 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 Good. I hope you're doing well, actually. I, I, <laughs> it's been kind of a crazy week, uh, since our last episode. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the risk of getting political, we hope you all, hope you all are doing okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was very stressful. Um, but we've made it through. Y'all, uh, and I, I think good things are ahead. Yeah. That's, that's what I really hope. So agreed. Yeah. Uh, good things for the real world and good things for the D and D world, because this is a, a real humdinger of an episode we have for you this week. Uh, I, I think this is going <laughs> to be a fun say one. say that every week. <laughs> yeah. I do say that every week because I'm excited about our episodes every single week. Piper. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Someday we'll start this off and we'll be like, stop listening right now. Yeah. This one sucks. <laughs> we're going, we're going in sad. We really phoned this one in. So, uh, <laughs> just go ahead and, you know, skip ahead to, uh, you know, next week's episode. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think it's gonna be cool. And we're, we're dipping back into the listener suggestion pool, which we haven't done for a little while. I don't think we got a suggestion from Jared from Monsters and Multiclass, our, our good friend to do an episode about creating monk characters. Um, and I, I have been really excited about this because I love when we do episodes based on a specific class of characters. I think that structure, it's really fun to find ways to work within those boundaries and to sort of push those boundaries. Yeah. Um, and Jared's perspective on it was that, you know, monks are sort of narrowly defined in the D and D world. And so sometimes it can be really hard to have unique backstories to your monk characters. And Mm -hmm. so I thought this would be a fun challenge for us to try and create somebody really unique. And we've talked about this on the podcast before, just incidentally that we've created characters that happen to be monks or monk-like, but we've never really put uh, a lot of focus on that, I don't think. So I'm I'm excited to get into it with this this one. one. Yeah, this topic is, it's interesting to me because we said before we started here that I'm like, yeah, we can do monks. I don't really know much about monks in D&D, and I typically have a very narrow minded idea of what a monk is as like a character like i i have a, a clear idea of like a bald man in an orange robe that's what i see um and so i feel like my first gut instinct is to say like oh this doesn't seem like a very interesting character like it's yeah. not like a cool swashbuckling bad guy with a tragic past but i'm like For wait sure. a minute that's up to me <laughs> like maybe this is a good challenge to say well let's take something i know very little about slash i'm not interested in learn more about it and then make it interesting to yeah. me you always like to roast people who are into martial arts you're like oh nerds who get into <laughs> Get into martial arts, right? But uh, I, I think what's interesting <laughs> to me about the idea of a monk is it isn't necessarily like like my first thought with a monk isn't oh somebody who's you know really good at fighting. I think of just discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the idea of a character that they focus every bit of their energy into one you know sole purpose, into one hobby, or into one you know maybe it is a martial art, but maybe it's also something like 
you know, like uh, flower tending or something like mm-hmm. that. If that's the whole focus of their life and everything they do is built around that, I think that's also a really interesting aspect of uh, a monk character. So yeah. maybe finding these other sort of traits to focus on would be a good uh, sort of thing to to utilize as we're building these characters. Out. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if I were me, if I were to make a monk based off of you, Sam, then this monk <laughs> would be dedicate his his life to making miniatures. Yeah, exactly. And you'd go to his temple and he'd be like, I have a miniature version of this temple that i made out of the hairs from ants uh, yeah <laughs> i would have a, a miniature version of all of my friends in the temple and they none of them would think it's creepy at all that little tiny uh, fetish dolls of them all line the walls of my my humble monk's uh, apartment let me show you my dioramas of this one time my friend kevin taught me how to hopscotch <laughs> that actually would be a really interesting monk i think actually like a, a miniature yeah, or, or like a voodoo monk that yeah they make minis of things and there's the detail is so precise that oh we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here already piper we already got so many good ideas but, oh wait 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 yeah. what do you think a monk of, of piper would be oh a monk of piper would definitely be like what is her obsession yeah i think your obsession would be maybe you'd be like a fashion monk or something like that monk? yeah Ooh, okay. you'd be a monk that like every day you dedicate yourself to you know, learning new hairstyles and taking the best selfies or something like that. Oh my that. god. Doesn't that kind of contradict, like, I always think of, like, Buddhist monks, and I'm like, don't they, like, have to cast off all materialism and yeah, but things like that? you're extremely vain, and so I think maybe you would, like, wow. lean into that a little bit. Yeah. Thanks. Not like I'm a monk who loves to, you know, write or draw or critique movies. Actually, that would be it. No, that would... You know what? You're right. You've, you've kind of won up me there. I'm a monk who likes to take selfies. Yeah. Thank you. Okay try and tell me that that's not a, a major aspect of your life, Piper. I mean, just because I take a lot of selfies doesn't mean that's how I identify myself. Um, th- that was very, like, boomer of me to criticize someone for taking too much selfies. Sorry about that. <laughs> Mr. Uh, photographer. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, actually, I think you, I could see you as, like, the, the monk scribe or the monk librarian or something Hell like yeah. that. The person that's the keeper of all the sacred texts or something like that. I, I, like I that. definitely could see that of you. Yes. You'll um, come into my temple and I'll be like, read this fan fiction scroll. I've yeah. been working on it for 80 years. <laughs> And also you'd be a giant owl like that episode of Avatar that we just watched. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, wait, here's my favorite chapter where Sonic the Hedgehog tells me that I'm his favorite. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Oh, a fan fiction monk is also a really good one. Yeah. Uh, that, that's great. Thank um, you. I, I like these a lot. I also want to say, so you you mentioned, um, you know, bald men in orange robes. I actually have kind of a funny personal experience with that. So when I was from from the ages of like... 15 to 17 or so um my my whole family and i but mostly it was like me and a few close friends we were all in in taekwondo together we took it really seriously we competed at a national level like we were we had a lot of fun with it it was something that was like a pretty big part of our lives for a while and our uh instructor was he was actually from vietnam and he was you know raised in this very traditional style of of taekwondo and the first time that taekwondo was ever in the olympics he and his brother actually competed and won like silver and gold or something like he was a big deal um we were very lucky to have this teacher until later uh it turned out that he uh tried to murder someone uh so that that's a whole other story here but we had a lot of fun he fell to the dark side yeah we, we had a lot of fun with this this hobby i guess while we were in it and one of the highlights of that couple of years for me was that um there's a buddhist temple right outside of my my hometown and um we would go out there every couple of weeks to kind of sometimes we'd go out and we'd help them with stuff or sometimes we'd just go out and kind of hang out. And there were a few times where we would go and they'd be playing soccer and we would get to play soccer with all the all the Buddhist monks out there. And it was just a really fun, cool thing. That's that, very cool. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel like a lot of 
other people in my hometown probably had experiences like that. And so I, I don't know. I thought that was really, really interesting. So that's awesome. Uh, that could be maybe even yet another potential avenue for a monk, someone who, who dedicates themselves solely to a sport or something yeah. like that. Um, and that actually, I, some of my examples of interesting monk characters kind of tie into that idea a little bit. So. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, cool. did you want me, Piper, just to read how the fifth edition, uh, text kind of defines what a monk is? Because, yes. like we said, it is kind of narrowly defined, but maybe mm-hmm. we should put a little bit of specificity on that narrow definition. Yeah, no, I'd like okay. to just have kind of like a, a cookie cutter blueprint to start with. Yeah. And then we can elaborate for from sure. There. And then we can just throw that out the window. Yeah. 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 Okay. Make our own damn cookies. Uh, okay. So, uh, under the, the headline training and asceticism, uh, in the fifth edition player's manual, it says small walled cloisters dot the landscape of the worlds of D and D tiny refuges from the flow of ordinary life where time seems to stand still. The monks who live there seek personal perfection through contemplation and rigorous training. Many entered the monastery as children, sent to live there when their parents died, when food couldn't be found to support them, or in return for some kindness that the monks had performed for their families. Some monks live entirely apart from the surrounding population, secluded from anything that might impede their spiritual progress. Others are sworn to isolation, emerging only to serve as spies or assassins at the command of their leader, a noble patron, or some other mortal or divine power. The majority of monks don't shun their neighbors, making frequent visits to nearby towns or villages and exchanging their services for food and other goods. As versatile warriors, monks often end up protecting their neighbors from monsters or tyrants. Uh, so what I really see from this, like I said, is kind of this this aspect of devotion mm-hmm. to a particular lifestyle or a particular task, right? I I think that... It's hard for a monk character kind of within that definition to have a lot of variety because if you're playing, say, like a fighter, that means you can be, you know, you can be a soldier or you can be a mercenary or you can be a guard or you can be, you know, a, a, a bandit. There's so many different directions you can go with that, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the in-game kind of canon flavor for monks is a little bit more limiting than that. So I'm really excited to see how our random prompts here can kind of kind of punch this up a little bit do you have any thoughts about that now now that you sort of have this definition of like oh here's the average life of a monk is that something that helps to see it a little more clearly for you do you have immediate changes you'd want to make no so what i like about that description is that it fits um some of the real world uh examples that i've written down here that i wanted to reference um i've seen a couple of videos on youtube that are all just kind of you know like wow look at this like little interest story things and one of them um is i think it was called like uh like well it was something about the things that the shaolin monks have to do to become like these ultimate masters of their crafts yeah i've also seen a really cool video about these kung fu nuns who are essentially (laughs) monks they um live a similar lifestyle i just think they're called nuns because they're women that not just be nun fu um you'd think yeah uh if this was a movie in the 90s yeah (laughs) um but then also yeah so like just these different things that i've seen it kind of fits a lot of what i've what's been covered in those little mini documentaries just this idea of like every day they they get up and they go out and they like collect all kinds of food and then they go into the towns nearby and they give it to the people or to the animals and it's all about you know providing for others and yeah, so, doing sort these of kind of services service yeah exactly yeah, so absolutely. that is a lot of kind of what i was seeing in some of these other examples that i found for sure yeah. how how would you say you feel about the maybe the morality right of of a monk character do you think can you easily picture in your head an evil monk in the same way as you could picture like a neutral or a good monk oh certainly i mean when you talked about um the this pursuit for personal perfection yeah i mean i could easily 
see that being twisted into kind of like an evil perfection sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, this I, obsession, not right. A exactly. So when I hear that, that perfect perfection, my mind goes to Gaston, who I don't think he is not a monk <laughs> character, but he could pretend he could delude himself into thinking he's yeah. a monk but you know he does seek yeah exactly physical perfection and prowess and yeah. to be the you know peak version mm-hmm. of it of a human specimen right yeah i think another maybe a good example of that would be As like a specimen <laughs> yes i'm intimidating yeah, yeah, exactly um <laughs> i i feel like another good example of that would be the fire lord from avatar yeah. Uh, is a great example probably of, mm-hmm. of an evil monk or at least a monk that is their ambition has overtaken their their dedication maybe um yeah i i think those are interesting directions and i i'm kind of i i feel sort of motivated to try and make uh you know when when i think of the alternative of monk evil is like the most alternative thing i can think of because i see monks as this sort of harmonious well-balanced sort of figure you Mm know um if kind of like light side versus dark side you know like in star wars terms like a jedi is basically like a monk right like you have to have two sides of that coin and that's not something that i feel is ever really as as well explored in D. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of what I'm thinking of as a platform here. Well, that's good because I definitely want to stick with more of kind of a peaceful thing. So I feel like it's too... My, my gut reaction is to be like, well, I'll make like a dark, evil, brooding monk. So yeah. I'm like, no, I'll yeah. leave that to Sam and <laughs> I, I will try and work with something that's more positive or neutral or something like that. A little bit like of that. a role reversal here this I week. Know, I know, right? Think. That's how we challenge ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I still I still see a, a late game twist coming out of this one for you. Maybe Probably. you fall some terrible tragedy and turn evil, but yeah, well, let's see. Who can say? Uh, so do we want to jump in then to some of our examples here, Piper? Let's do it. You want to go first? Sure, okay. I guess. Take I was kind of prompting you, but... I'll... Oh, well, I, I can go if you want me <laughs> go to. Go ahead and go. Okay. So I, uh, my first one that I've written down, <laughs> I was That's meditating. professional podcasting. Yeah, I, you, you were meditating. I was meditating for a split second. I had to get in the zone. Um, of course. <laughs> so, we're seeking podcast perfection here. I am. Yeah. I am. Mm, um, no, so uh, Sam has recently started showing me uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. I know. Shock. I have not watched it until this point in my life, 26 years. Um, it's very good. I like it a whole bunch. Uh, literally, the first character that popped into my head that fits the bald person in robe was Aang. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, so of I'm course. like, hey, the, the airbender yeah. or the, uh, the Avatar. I totally agree. And I also really like the idea of you know, the, the in, in D&D, there is a subclass for monks called the Way of the Four Elements, which is essentially an Avatar type form. You know, you can summon up different elemental abilities using your monk's key energy. So I, I completely agree. I think that's a, a perfect example of that. And that balance of all four elements, you know, they all have to live within this character is really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, kind of adjacent to that Toph I think is a good example as well Definitely. you kind of think of like the blind samurai or the mm-hmm. blind you know warrior or whatever um that's that discipline that's required and that focus that's required of being able to function in the world the way that Toph does as a blind earthbender is is very monk-like to me. Absolutely. I feel yeah. like a lot of characters from that show could be called monks just because of the way that they practice their their craft. For sure. And yeah. some of them literally are. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a great example. I, I'm glad you touched on that one. That's one we can definitely both agree on wholeheartedly. Huzzah. Um, the first example that I thought of actually was Limu Bai from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, played nice. by uh, Chow Yun-Fat. I think he is... A very kind of like typical classic example of I'm this like spiritual warrior that's trying to achieve enlightenment and everything that I do is dedicated to, yeah, this, this one goal of ascending beyond my basic human form and kind of seeing 
Nirvana, you know, or, or, or the other side, or, mm-hmm. you know, however you want to interpret that, right? Um, but what I think is so interesting about Lee Mubai's character is that he does achieve enlightenment or he's on the cusp of it, but he holds himself back because at the end he reveals that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to leave his body and achieve enlightenment because it it would be hollow and and you know like empty to him without the woman that he loved. Yeah. Um so, so sweet. I think that's such a cool character that he's this sort of romantic figure as mm-hmm. a monk. And I don't think that's something that you really see that often either. Yeah. Um I guess Aang kind of exhibits that a little bit as well, but um I I really like that twist that he basically has completed his you know, divine duty as a monk. He's reached enlightenment, but he says, no, I, I, I don't want it mm-hmm. because I can't have it without you. Yeah. Which is really, really awesome. And also oh. that he is just the ultimate badass. You yeah. know, I mean, the, if, if you've <laughs> never seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it's basically this epic saga about this, this group of monks and warriors and the deeds that sort of surround this sword, this legendary sword that it's, of such incredible make that anyone who wields it is essentially unstoppable, right? And this young girl who she, she's kind of manipulated by this, this lady who she's sort of this like jealous, uh, sort of nasty older woman. And she takes her under her wing and she says, you know, you're just a, a noble and I know you want a life of adventure and, mm-hmm. and intrigue. I can teach you how to be a martial artist so mm-hmm. that you can go out in the world and do the things that you want to do. You don't have to just be trapped in a, in a, uh, arranged marriage or anything like that. And this young girl ends up kind of being a little bit corrupted by this idea. And she steals this sword, the blade of green destiny and, uh, you know, thinks, Oh, now I'm this like hotshot badass. Nobody can stop me. And the movie shows are kind of going around and like just annihilating everybody because she has this perfect sword that, you know, makes her this ultimate fighter. And then Limu Bai rocks up and he's like, yeah, it is zero effort for me whatsoever to beat you, even with the the blade of green destiny. And it just <laughs> you like don't know how to use it. Oh, it, yeah, and it just like it, she just gets so like upset about it. And you know, he's like balancing on treetops, and he's got one hand behind his back, and he's beating her with like a bamboo switch while she's like, you know, going all out at him with this sword, this <laughs> epic sword that can defeat anybody. And it's a very very interesting way of sort of showing that power dynamic that because he's so close to this ultimate final form of enlightenment, he can defeat even, you know, the greatest blade of all time in in the hands of a fairly competent warrior. Absolutely. That makes me think of the ending of Kung Fu Panda 2. (laughs) When Poe reaches that perfect balance, he's able to take a raindrop as it falls in the sky and pass it around and then drop it daintily down into the ocean. Skadoosh. Skadoosh. He he reaches his final form, just as Lee Mubai had before him. (laughs) (laughs) Lee Mubai walked so that Poe could run. Exactly. So Poe could stumble and wheeze up the stairs. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That's that's my first example. Piper, do you got another one for us? I do. I do. Okay. So uh, I had to mention this is the other uh, monk that immediately popped into my head. I had to look up his name. Apparently, his name is uh, Monk Ashram, and he's from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Oh, my God. The, the monk that he goes to stay with after he loses the raccoon, and they all want him to leave, so he gives him that necklace. The, the necklace of spirit. No, the medallion of spiritual enlightenment. Exactly. That's what and then he's like, it's okay. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> he's like, what? How many years did it take? This took you 80 years to achieve. Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's fine. I love that. I love the, and you know, and the, the million steps up to the monk's temple. Like, I, I think there are a lot of things about that that, you know, maybe that's a somewhat derivative, derivative, uh, exploration of what a monk is. But I think it's a, also really funny and yeah. it kind of says, Oh yeah, you have to be, you have to 
be at the top of a mountain that it takes you three hours to climb the stairs every day. That's dedication. You know, these sort of contextual things are important to consider as well. Well, what I love about it is the idea that even these monks who have reached enlightenment, they can't stand Ace. He's just like too much. And they're like, please leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As as he's leaving, they're doing like backflips and dancing around. Having a big party. (laughs) No, that's a really, really good example. I would never have thought of that. I love that that, uh, little nugget. Thank you for that one. that guy. Um, Okay. So the next one that I have then is another, I would say this is another kind of comedic take on a monk, depending on the iteration, but um, Jackie Chan in literally anything. Yeah, Um, like the Drunk Master. Yeah, exactly. Especially the Drunken Master was the one that I specifically wanted to talk about. But I think his style of fighting is always so interesting because it's so well kind of married with comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's actually a really great video essay by Every Frame of Painting uh, that came out a few years ago called... um, it, it's it well, I don't remember what it's called, but it's about like Jackie Chan's way of of combining action and comedy mm-hmm. and how Jackie Chan is great because he's never somebody who on an even playing field, he's a better fighter than everybody. Mm-hmm. But he's so fun to watch, not because he's better than everyone, but because he's always backed into a corner. He's yes. always kind of put at a slight disadvantage somehow. So he's just scrambling up, you know, out of, exactly. He's scrappy. You know, he's always like, Oh, I, I, I got to fight with a pool cue or a ladder or like a, you know, just whatever is on hand. And I think that's really, really fun. Yeah. Um, I had a, in, in 3.5, um, I played a monk character that I took a bunch of feats that allowed me to use like improvised weapons more effectively. Fun. And the idea was that I wanted to be a, a character that any place that I was at, I could just look at the nearest object and just use it as a weapon, right? Very it, cool. So I never really could be disarmed because anything around me could be a deadly weapon. Yeah. Right. I, I thought that was so much fun. It was obviously heavily inspired by Jackie Chan. Yeah. Um, and Jackie so, Chan Adventures, and, the and animated Jackie show. Jackie Chan Adventures, the animated <laughs> show. Exactly. So, um, though that, that's my, probably my favorite example that i have right here i love jackie chan in in everything but yeah especially legend of the drunken master so very nice yeah do you got any others for us yeah so i'm just gonna mention one real speedy fast because i don't really have much to say about it um there was a show that i grew up with speaking of jackie chan adventures yes uh that was also on saturday morning cartoons it was called shaolin showdown oh yeah and the main character his name was omi he's the other little monk that i think of all the time uh very similar (laughs) to ang very goofy and silly he's been like raised by monks his whole life and then he meets these other teenagers and he doesn't know how to interact with them yeah it's just very silly. So good old Omi from Shaolin Showdown. Um, but then my next one, I did a Google of uh, monk characters because I was just curious to see who came up. And one that emerged in the list, um, I was surprised by, but I can totally see why they would classify him this way. Yeah. Um, the character of Scar from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, no, totally. They classified him as a monk. And I'm like, I can Absolutely. definitely see that. He, I, I agree. He's sort of like a, I mean, he's kind of like a Muslim monk is yeah. essentially like what he's kind of being mm-hmm. the, the influences that he's being drawn from i love that yeah. um he has the, the perfect body he's trained his entire life to be this ultimate fighting machine basically mm-hmm. and he's well not his entire life i guess he bad things happened After to him and the then he started things. training yeah, whatever. But <laughs> yeah his, his dedication to a goal is is very much in line with all of these oh god what a cool character yeah totally he's one of my favorite things yeah. about full metal yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, that's a great example. Thank okay. You. So the other ones that I have, these are actually all, well, not all, but, um, a, a couple of real life figures in mm-hmm. here. So we talked about Jackie Chan. There's obviously like our Jet Lees and our Bruce Lees and all of our kind of 
modern or like con- uh, contemporary martial arts figures, right? But um, one that I think is so interesting is Ip Man, who is kind of this uh, Chinese folk hero, basically, who yeah. he, he basically just like beat up a bunch of white colonialists to help preserve like Chinese heritage and history. And there is a series of really, really awesome movies uh, about him starring Donnie Yen, where he he's just this like ultimate badass and uh they're they're fascinating um you've possibly would have seen clips uh of this of donnie yen fighting literally 30 guys at once and mm-hmm. just punching them all a thousand times before any of them can even blink it's really really great um excellent kind of modern martial arts movies donnie yen is an absolute beast he's he's unstoppable and they're very very satisfying movies to watch because they're well choreographed it it all looks like for the most part, things a real person could believably do if they were this perfect specimen of of humanity. So yeah, I love that. And I, I love the idea of, you know, he isn't someone that I don't think really viewed, you know, martial arts as a sport. It was sort of a philosophy in a way of life. But he was put into a situation where he had to use it in a way that wasn't really you know, what he viewed as its intended purpose. And he ends mm-hmm. up fighting this, this British like boxer and just like ruins him. Right. And mm-hmm. kind of shows, no, no, we're, we're not, we're not these like savage people that you have to come and save with your colonial efforts. He's like, no, we're great. We're just like, you know, you, I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting sort of battle, this like kind of cultural battle here. Um, I think similar to that, we can look at characters like James Braddock, um, the American boxer, uh, the movie Cinderella Man is about, that he's someone who is just so focused on, you know, the the only thing that he felt he was good at was boxing and was all that he wanted to do. And, you know, and he breaks his hand and he gets injured and he's old and he, you know, everybody's telling him he can't do it anymore. But just his drive and his commitment to this skill of his is so admirable. That discipline and devotion, I think there's a strong argument for him being a monk. I was going to say, you could, in that reasoning say a lot of characters from boxing movies could yeah be monks i i had rocky and apollo and adonis creed on here as well i'm not because, sure if i could count yeah. rocky as a monk he's just such an idiot <laughs> yeah he is i mean you could be a stupid monk totally but i just don't see him i don't know but you know think of it this way you know all he cares if, about is boxing so yeah if you think of the sort of you know the the traditional the the ancient mystic chinese arts of training you know he goes and he chases a chicken around and he, you know, he does all these things that you would kind of stereotypically attribute to characters like this. I think I it's, say, it's very careful. much like the wax on wax off sort of style of yeah. training, which I think is interesting. I think there is some crossover there that mm-hmm. is kind of, I, I think Rocky is probably not a very good monk here <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but I think there is an argument for that. You could, with a little bit of tweaking, find a way to make that a, a, great basis for a monk-like character yeah yeah uh, apollo creed and adonis creed definitely fit that better than rocky does i'd say so yeah yeah i got one more for you yeah, too go for um it. i feel like we could also say even though he's magically inclined i think dr strange makes me think of a monk yeah if only because sure. of the way that he like trains in the movie yeah he like, goes to like a hidden temple yeah to learn all of these skills and his yeah. his boss lady uh the the wise one, the ancient one. Yeah, the, the, yeah it's the ancient one, right? Yeah. Tilda Swinton. It's exactly. just Tilda Swinton, yeah. the real person. Yeah, she literally fits <laughs> what I said earlier, bald yeah. orange robes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, I also think that the the spirituality mm-hmm. of that is really important, right? That the, the magic that Doctor Strange uses, it isn't necessarily just, oh, abracadabra, you can shoot lightning bolts or whatever. It is about the soul and about sort like of... the balance of the universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's also a very kind of stereotypically appropriate 
thing to to talk about when we talk about these things. So totally, um, yeah, these are all really really interesting examples. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking about an evil version, um, Cassilius or whatever, the bad guy from that movie by by yeah. Mads Mikkelsen. Mads Mikkelsen, um, my boy. When a character that is you know this kind of perfect monk kind of falls from grace, they're corrupted by a higher force that gives them a taste of power or something like that, or or by jealousy or by annoyance that they haven't been recognized i think those are all interesting things so um let's try and spin some of these ideas into our own unique creations here and and see what we come up with piper do you have a few prompts ready for us yes i do all right would you like the first word or should i have the first please i'm I'm hungry for a prompt piper okay sam your first word is the word crack crack Ooh. okay Mm mm-hmm so what i think of immediately here is you know that I, i can't think of the name of it but I think you showed me some pictures of this recently that uh, art of like restoring uh, pottery in Japan where With gold. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They, if you have like a cracked like teapot or something, they use gold to fill in the cracks and then it sort of accentuates the, the flaws by making them more beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. A monk character that maybe their job is about kind of patching up these cracks. Maybe they're an architect or something like that. And so their, their whole thing is that their their monk kensai weapon or something would be like a hammer the the hammer that they use to like to hammer nails pottery. into place or oh, whatever yeah. or to, yeah or to or to fix pottery like i think that'd be interesting um i definitely want to look at a monk that's focused on some type of a trade skill very cool uh, and they have to turn that into a fighting style so do yeah. you think your monk operates with uh, a bunch of others at a temple. Um, does he have fellow oh, yeah. brothers, or is he by himself, or I, she? I, yeah. So you know what? I I feel like if it is a trade skill, it's probably more that they're a part of a union of monks, maybe mm-hmm. than that it's like a temple, right? Yeah. So they would have like a guild hall where all of these trades trades workers go to sort of you know have a beer after a long day and they are they to, allowed they, to drink uh, yeah i think they'd be allowed to drink there's like drunken master style monks right like i i think that they they probably have very specific rules about you know how they can drink and what they can drink and when they can drink and mm-hmm. things like that there has to be sort of this the the union is about setting out these sort of lifestyle rules for them right and they mm-hmm. all live by them and if they all continue to follow these rules then they all can reap the benefits of being in the union you mm-hmm. know so they have the the support of all of their fellow trades workers behind them that uh if if somebody doesn't pay them for a job all these monks show up and just you know beat the crap out of this this person not paying them well maybe part of it too is there's one master who is the one who knows how he's perfected this trade this craft yes and so people come to him to learn the skill and he says here's the thing if you want to learn how to do this you have to throw off all other worldly attachments like become a monk dedicate your life to this and i'll teach you this trade maybe that's part of it i i like that a lot i really really like the idea of it's it's almost like going to a trade school or something like that you have to there's a commitment there you know we're in our modern world ac units No more Netflix. <laughs> yeah, the, the HVAC monks here. The, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I like that. That you know that our, our kind of modern equivalent of that is there's the financial commitment, obviously, of paying your student loans and things like that. But in this world, the commitment is no. You have to instead of paying us money, you give all this money that you have and all your possessions to the poor. And that's Mm -hmm. what we see is making you worthy of taking on this skill because this skill is something that can elevate you beyond a regular person. So this action of giving up all your belongings, donating them to people, that's what tells us you deserve this power. Mm -hmm. You know, we we don't want to just give this to anybody. So 
I did say that I wanted to make an evil monk character. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe my character kind of came from wealth and they said, no, I just want to, I want to work in a trade. I want, I don't want to just follow my family's legacy. I want to make something of my own. And so when they're told they have to give up all of their wealth, maybe they have this kind of cheeky, like, well, sure, I can give up all my wealth, but I know that I got all my family's money behind me. So if I ever want to back out, I've got this sort of safety net, right? And so maybe after they get this ability, they kind of back out and they say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go back to my old life of comfort and luxury. Thanks for and, the skills. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for the skills. I'm going to run off with all of your ancient secrets and I'm going to start my own thing. So maybe they're starting like a rival guild or they're traveling around trying to find other warriors that they say, I know the, the right way to teach this. We don't have to be poor to do it. We can, we can empower ourselves. We can be like capitalist monks and we can, you know, go and do this so, without following these, these silly rules. Another question for you. I feel like this great master ideally would be enlightened enough themselves that they would be able to spot someone who was not truly good of heart yeah. within their ranks. Yeah. So how do you think this person went so long through this person's guild without being discovered that they're actually not good? So maybe it was like kind of a Yoda situation with Anakin Skywalker, how Yoda was like, I sense darkness in this boy, but I also see that he may be the one to bring balance. So they would say, I know there's something off about you, but I think if we train you the right way, we can sort of get this darkness out of you and you could be the greatest of all of us. So maybe they taught them just enough to kind of get to the point where they could make that determination. But this master always held back their ultimate, uh, you know, the ultimate power. There, there's one thing that they didn't teach them that's kind of barring the door to actual perfection. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Then and teach so that's, them how to put the last clop, drop of glue on the pot so yeah. it always cracks at the end and doesn't <laughs> stay together. Exactly. And I think that could kind of be this character's journey is they said, they didn't trust me. I was denied, like Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. style. I am on the council, but I have not been given the rank of master, right? <laughs> they're, they're so jealous and angry of this that they go out on a, a – maybe they want to go and kill all of the members of this union because they said, if I can't have this power, no one can. Now I'm just picturing like angsty young adult Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Regardless of what you decide your character looks like, that's kind of what's in my mind. My character is definitely played by Hayden Christensen. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) No, I I like this. So I want to say I do think the architect route is interesting because then their weapons could be these big kind of stone mallets, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's really neat. Or or, uh, those little scrapers that you use to put like mortar in between bricks or something like that. Wait, how did we get to architect? Well, I was just talking about different trade skills. That was just one example I threw out. But I do also like the pottery example. I think the pottery one. That is the cooler one. Yeah. um, yeah, but I, I think they would be good at just kind of mending things in general. So they would have this, this set of artisans tools. And so maybe they're not good with, with swords and bows and arrows and things mm-hmm. like that, but any tool that you give them, they can turn into a deadly weapon. Yeah. So whether it's a hammer or a, uh, you know, a calipers or something like that. Well, maybe they wear a big, uh, workman's apron that has a bunch of pockets on the front. Oh, and yeah. each pocket has like itty bitty, like little scrapers and tiny little like knives and, and little tweezers and stuff. Yeah. And it looks like they're just like a tradesperson, but they can, if they get close to you, they'll be like, and they'll do a little stabby stab and you'll be like, I like paralyzed and dead. I really, really like that a lot. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. I also, you know, I think for me, for whatever reason, 
monks always I, I default to them being humans mm-hmm. um just because they are that sort they they all kind of follow the same rules you know they're all that sort of we have to be this kind of pure and disciplined like kind of basic template and humans are sort of like the basic template that all of the races are built on so i definitely want to branch out from that i think this would be much more interesting as you know like a dragonborn character like my brother's current character mm-hmm. or um you know or like a high elf or something like that i think if they come from money Maybe high off kind of makes sense because that's the sort of, oh, we're better than everyone kind of hoity-toity nobility, right? Totally. Um, so, yeah, a high elf or maybe even like a half elf or something like that. I think a half elf actually also works because it would make sense that they have this sort of anger inside of them from maybe not – they're used to not being accepted by everyone. So mm-hmm. this is this master is just one more person that doesn't see them for the greatness that they think lives within themselves. Like yeah. Something like that. No, I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, speaking of what races we want our characters to be, I had this idea while we were sharing our brainstorming thoughts. Yeah. I definitely want my character to be uh, a loxodon. Oh, an, cool. An elephant yeah. person. Yeah. That's an awesome style monk. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, so I, I even did a little doodle maybe we can share a little picture on twitter please, afterwards please um but no i want my my monk is going to be a a loxodon i think uh, i'll make it a lady um mm-hmm. so she uh you made a lady loxodon a few episodes ago i think right like ellie or something we made her name did i i think you did let's well, do it again though because it was fun the first time so all right then this time not? it's a man yeah. <laughs> i thought i would <laughs> okay. try and diversify but okay. i guess i'll make a man elephant <laughs> an ellie man um so the, it, this works perfectly because the word that i got um from my random prompt was the word kindly. Ooh, okay. um, and I think one of the reasons why I was thinking of elephants earlier, I, I saw a headline this morning when I was scrolling through social media today that had some really good news. It said that at this one preserve uh, in Africa somewhere, there have been 200 elephants yeah. born in 2020, which is yeah. wonderful. Elephants are such an amazing creature. I feel this way about elephants the same way that I feel about whales. A creature that is this large, they have big brains and big hearts. And I'm like, these guys are intelligent <laughs> and emotional and they they remember and they form like family bonds and yeah. they definitely have souls and i think yeah. they're just the sweetest thing and if you ever hurt an elephant then you're a horrible person absolutely so i think kindly works very well for my elephant monk character i like that a lot and one thing that i was thinking too when we were going over kind of this idea of all these trades and things that sort of seems like something that a monk might dedicate themselves to i was thinking so an an elephant character they have these like big funny hands kind of yeah well, um, yeah they're they're like tree trunks <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm currently really... making sort of like a claw yeah, shape okay. with my hand where you're, like you're doing like ninja turtle hands exactly yeah. like you know two big fingers and a thumb Th- kind of a thing w- <laughs> a way easier to understand it visual is. example ninja turtle hands ninja way- turtle hands everyone <laughs> yeah. can picture that exactly it's a really good yeah, idea yeah. um but no so because uh, he wouldn't be able to work on small crafts or anything. I think that'd be very hard. So I actually loved the idea of them being, cause I'm picturing sort of like an Indian setting. Yeah. I like the idea that my monk character builds temples. Like that's what they do. Cool. They go out and they, they'll mine like big blocks of like sandstone or marble and they'll like carry it out to the spot in the jungle where they've cleared all the trees and they'll place it stone by stone and they'll build yeah. these temples. And I think that's what they do. So we're both kind of skilled like like trades workers basically yeah yeah I, I like that too i also think um the 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 indian mythological kind of connection is mm-hmm. what i was picturing too like yeah. a, like a ganesha or something like that exactly do you think that your monk is someone who lives humbly or are they you know are they a monk that 
they don't necessarily have to eschew the luxuries of life as long as they can dedicate themselves to a task. Do they have, you know, gold and silver bangles all over their trunks and like mm-hmm. beautiful like jewelry in their in their giant elephant ears and things like that? I think um day to day they don't dress themselves that way. I think they do live a rather humble life. Okay. But I think uh in their pack they do have like ceremonial garb yeah. that they will put on and it is rather fancy. Cool. Um but you know, if for example, like they were traveling on the road and they were held up by bandits they wouldn't hesitate to hand over those things yeah they would be like if this will help you then please take my gold bangles and all of these things yeah you need them more than i do that that's interesting because it's sort of the idea of wearing all of this wealth not to show off your own you know like to wearing all this jewelry not to show off your own wealth but to show off like this is how much i can give to you you know that's really cool like your whole body is your wallet essentially (laughs) well i feel like um in fact oh i just thought of a very scary scene um which i'll just quickly describe but i don't want to go into (laughs) because it makes me very sad is the idea that they would be held up by like road bandits and they're like give us all your all your valuable items and they'd hand over you know their ceremonial like golden trinkets and the person's like what about those tusks and it's like what like no you can't take my ivory tusks these aren't removable they're not you don't screw them off. Like, exactly. You know? <laughs> it's like, uh-uh, nope, get away, keep walking, sir. Um, I think the other thing that I was thinking, too, is because we keep talking about martial arts in reference yeah. to monks. I don't want to get karate kicked by an elephant, so yeah. Well, no, that was the thing. Is that, like, <laughs> I can't picture something as big and thick as an elephant person being able to do a lot of like things that I picture when it comes to like martial art things. Yeah. So I think maybe this character... It, they were trained with those skills, but they never use them. My yeah. person's a pacifist. So they'd be okay. really kind of not great, I think, for uh, a campaign. Uh, if you're like yeah. in a combat situation, because your friends would be like, come on, fight back, help us. And they'd be like, no, I'm praying right now. Like, I can't fight. I just, it's against my, my code. I will never hurt another person. But I think this is interesting because, so one, like we said, it would be fun to explore the idea of monks that are not combat focused, right? right. That, that have dedication to things other than just learning how to fight. Yeah. Um, I think it would be really cool if, you know, having a face of the party, right? A face character that does all the sort of social interaction. And the reason they're so good at it is because they have this sort of Zen mm-hmm. enlightened, like perfectly balanced way of viewing the world. They don't get riled up when people step up and try to intimidate them and start fights with them. They don't, they don't get scared when they're in like, you know, unfamiliar situations. They don't get uncomfortable around people. They're always able to perform optimally and kind of find the best in every situation, find common ground with people because they're able to just be cool as a cucumber all the time. Yeah. I think that would be a really interesting direction to explore as a, as a monk. No, I like that too. Yeah. I feel like if there were combat situations, my character would always attempt uh, like negotiation yeah. to talk them down. If that fails, then they will... Is this a thing that monks can do in D&D? Can they, similar to the way that like a bard will give inspiration, can a monk like go into a trance and be like, I will you know, try and give my comrades strength or try to pacify my opponents. Is that like a kind of spell magic so meditation thing they can do? All kinds of weird magical abilities through uh, across different versions and across different uh like subclasses and things like that. Offhand I can't think of any examples of monks that can necessarily give benefits to their players but also to, to their their party members but also i'm we're not really the people to ask about fifth edition rules if we had mm. jared or somebody from monsters and multi-class yeah. on here they would have the answer for us certainly but um what i think is interesting about monks is their versatility as fighters i wouldn't be surprised if something like that existed and i just can't think of it right now mm-hmm. um because 
you know, monks have abilities that range from you become so powerful that your key energy allows you to fly or you're invulnerable to all poisons mm. or, you know, you can add like different stats to your armor class because you, you know, the, your, your wisdom and your, uh, knowledge of how to fight and things like that can help you. There's a lot of different things that monks can do that separate them from other just physical fighters. So that I think it makes perfect sense that you could create a monk like that. And that would be something that would be a really interesting thing to just work with your DM and say, Hey, can I sort of combine this like bard like ability, borrow some stuff from this class and put it into a monk and justify it by saying, I'm extending my spiritual energy out into the world and using that to help the people around me through, through kindness and generosity and things like that. Yeah. It mirrors that they're always giving gold to, you know, travelers and passers by. They're kind of giving bits of their soul to their friends to help mm-hmm. protect them. I love that flavor a lot. Yeah, I feel like I'm also thinking too, kind of what you mentioned about the way that from that the book said about how they help their, you know, local communities and provide services. Yeah, I would imagine that if when traveling in a campaign like this, anytime they know that, like, if looking at a map, you can tell we're about to near a town. I think my character would spend a lot of time gathering like food and things that they find along the way. So once they get to the town, they can say, well, here, thank you for welcoming us. We've brought you these supplies. So they're always ready to try and give something to somebody. Food from my homeland, exotic spices. And yeah. yeah, things you've never seen before. Look at this weird elephant fruit. Only elephants eat these. Well, with their long yeah. trunk, they could like reach up and pick special fruit from the tops of trees as For they sure. pass by. And yeah, especially useful if they're going to the land of no ladders, where <laughs> no one can reach the tops of trees on their own. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's one thing because I, whenever I personally play as a non, I say quote unquote non traditional D anD D character, yeah, I, AKA, I think it's fair to say that Loxodon are pretty non traditional. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, not a, a human, a dwarf, an elf. Uh, yeah. Halfling, a thing like that. Like something, I feel like characters like this, I like to imagine that they're not super common in the world that they're traveling through. Unless you go back to their homeland, then maybe everyone's like, we see elephant people all the dang time. Yeah, or if you're in Ravnica or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But I always like the idea, because that's one of the things I think is kind of fun about playing a a unique character or a unique race, is that the idea that they're kind of uh, sort of an individual in a world of other people. And so I think if someone is a big elephant person traveling around in a world of smaller ape-like people and the oftentimes people will be like, whoa, I've maybe heard of you or else maybe they haven't. They're like, what are you? Yeah. They've learned it's good to come with gifts to be oh, like, of course. yeah, please don't be afraid of me. I'm a nice person. To endear themselves to people because they're so kind of big and scary. Right. And they understand, hey, maybe this isn't fair for people to make these assumptions about me, but that's a part of life. And I want to do what I can to kind of break down those those fears and stereotypes and help build bridges and things exactly. like that. That that's that feels very true to this character that you're building. I love this ambassador of oh. the elephant world and of the monk world. Yay. Is really, really cool. Thanks. What I am curious about is when you have, again, like you said, kind of quote unquote alternative types of characters in D D, um, a lot of times their unique traits can be really important parts of their identity and how they interact with the world, right? So talking about their ability to, you know, reach the cookie jar high up on the shelf that <laughs> other people can't reach. Um, how does their, how do you think this character's elephant form allows them to interact with the world in different ways in maybe in a combat situation? You know, if, even though they are a pacifist, if they were ever pushed to the brink of, you know, I have to use these martial arts that I had. 
if they can't do high flying spinning kicks all the time, maybe they just have, you know, the, the, uh, Bruce Lee, like one inch punch or whatever, mm-hmm. where they have the perfect form as long as they're rooted to the ground with their, you know, their heavy elephant form. They have a, a they're so heavy. There's so much force behind them. Getting punched is like getting hit by the Titanic, you know? Well, um, yeah. So what, what, what weapons would they use or what abilities would they use that only an elephant could do? So here's what I'm picturing. First of all, they have very tough skin. So yeah. even if you came at them with like a dagger or something, that probably wouldn't hurt them. If you like tried to stab, uh, an elephant character, yeah. they'd probably, it probably would maybe cut them a little bit, but it wouldn't like pierce their skin. Yeah, but they're like, it's, it's all blubber, baby. It's so thick. <laughs> so I feel like they're, they're pretty resistant to things like that. Yeah. I think they're really good. Like if somebody just ran at them, they can just stand their ground and they, you can, you couldn't push them or knock them over. Yeah. It's like sure. when Wesley has to try and fight, uh, the big giant. Oh, Fezzik, yeah, yeah. In, yeah. um, uh, Princess Bride. <laughs> um, so which thinking of that also made me think of, I feel like they're, if, if they had to fight, it would be not really fighting, but stopping the other person from fighting. So, like, yeah, okay. they would try and get behind you and wrap their arms around you and just hold you still. And so you'd be thrashing and be like, let me go, let me go so I can fight you. And they'd just be holding you against their body. Yeah. And they'd be yeah. like, I'm going to hold you here until you stop moving. <laughs> And it's, it's the Chin Po style of fighting, too. Well, yeah. Mulan, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, no, you just, like, hold someone still. Or maybe, I like the idea that they, they're probably really good at pinning someone to the ground. So, like, that's what they would do, is instead of, like, holding you against their body, they'll just hold you down on the ground, and they're like, are you going to stop now? And it's, like, <laughs> until you finally are like, okay, I give. You're like, okay, I'm going to let you up. Yeah. So they'll just, like, hold you down. It, it definitely makes sense that... You know, an elephant, they're so strong. They have kind of perfect command over their own body. So how do they exert that perfect command out into the world? Maybe they are masters of like Aikido or Judo, where instead of doing these crazy flips and spins and kicks, they're redirecting energy yeah. that comes from outside. So I think if, so. If somebody tries to kick them, they just kind of they go... Just step aside. Yeah, step aside. They're like water. You That's know? what I'm and thinking. They kind of let things flow exactly. around Exactly. Yeah. Like, typically, I think if someone else is coming at them with martial arts anyway, that person will get so tired out like by trying to fight them that eventually they'll yeah. be like <sighs> absolutely and they're like are you done can we talk now please absolutely yeah i think if anything if there was some kind of like physical fighting that they're like actively doing i picture sort of a like earthbender style of like yeah. you know one big stomp on the ground it and it kind of an earthquake exactly it makes yeah. them fall over or yeah. things like that i think like you said they could probably just do one hard like shove to the chest with like an open palm and that yeah. would just like knock the wind out of you and you'd be like Ooh! they can also <laughs> like, probably like shoot things out of their trunk you know <laughs> they can put like <laughs> they can pick up some dust and go like right in your eyes yeah right your trunk or something like that exactly like have you seen the you've seen those um videos of um elephants to get enough iron in their diet they eat mud because there's not a lot of ways for them to get that in in certain parts of the world well i've seen them giving themselves dust baths and like throwing dust all over themselves yeah i i I think that's to help protect them against the sun maybe or something yeah but i've seen it was on one of the planet earth documentaries they talked about how a a staple source of iron in a lot of elephants diets is they go to places where they can find red earth and it's red because it means there's iron in it and so they just chew up mud and Hmm. that's how they get iron into their diets like that they can just have – they can throw mud at you or they can throw mm-hmm. dust at you out of their trunks is interesting. Yeah. I also kind of like the idea of – you know, we said we wanted to talk about alternative sources of, you know, monk-like discipline and monk backgrounds. Mm-hmm. What if instead of this being a monk that came from a, a monastery or a temple somewhere – Are you talking about your character? No, I'm, no, I'm talking about your monk. Okay. Because um, I have your, an your, idea your elephant. for a backstory, but I'll hear okay. your suggestion. Yeah, l- let me throw this out there. So the idea of, you know, monk uh, elephants that – 
you know, they travel across the savannah all the time in search of food. Maybe this is sort of like a nomadic group of monks that they came from, that their temple was sort of their their people, you know, their community was like a always moving and always changing temple. They didn't have to be in one place at any given time. Mm -hmm. Their sort of spiritual focus was just wherever all of their people were. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a neat thing that it it ties into the elephant background a little bit that they kind of wander around Mm -hmm. all the time. And it also makes sense that someone who is that well-traveled would be a little bit more kind of aware of the world around them and aware of the people that they can help and the things they can do to help them and things like that. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. Um, I feel like I see the traveling nature of this character taking place more so after they've left the teachings of their master as they kind of travel around yeah. where they do their work, where they'll go town to town to build temples for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I think is something that maybe like prior to them joining a uh, an adventuring party, yeah. that was their full-time job is that someone would write to the master and they would say, I need one of your uh, monks to come out here to erect a temple. They would like commission it essentially. Oh, cool. And so okay. the master would send out like my character uh, to go out and, you know, build these things that the temple that he designs. Yeah. So when I, I I can see that from maybe his homeland where he came from, he and his people definitely did spend a lot of time like moving around. So that's familiar to him. And once yeah. he goes back to traveling with a party, that is kind of nostalgic that's for him. That's comfortable. They say, oh, it's just like my family. You, you, they would immediately make these familial bonds with their adventuring party. Exactly. I think that's one reason why this monk would want to uh, journey with these yeah. people is to say, you know what? Back in the day, we would cross continents uh, just to find water, and I would be happy to travel once again. Uh, I, I like that because I think, again, kind of to, to Jared's point that it can be hard to find ways to involve monks with the world because they're often so secluded. Right. I like this idea that, you know, maybe... I, I, I feel like Loxodon are almost elf-like that they live much longer than humans because they're so large and kind of sturdy, right? Yeah. Maybe not thousands of years like elves do, but... Um, the idea of they've been doing this job for so long that their, their mobile monastery has kind of drifted apart. They've all taken jobs all over the world. And so they don't get to have that all the time anymore. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're kind of always looking for this new sort of found family because they want to remember the old times. I yeah. mean, they, they do remember it. They're an elephant. They mm-hmm. never forget. <laughs> uh, but they want to sort of live those experiences again and find new ways of living those experiences. Yeah. I like that a lot. So real quick, just sort of the little backstory that I've fabricated. Um, yeah. I think my, uh, Loxodon, he didn't start off as a monk. He was just like a traveling kind of laborer or whatever. Yeah. Okay. yeah we, we both have very like blue collar. Kind of monks here, yeah. Yeah, and so I think what happened was um, when he was traveling through, like, the jungle on his own one day, he came across this beautifully elaborate temple in the middle of the jungle, and he sought shelter there. Maybe there was, like, it's monsoon season, and he went inside, and that's where he met this monk master, who is the one, the architect and the designer of said temple. And I think that monk took him under his wing, and he was like... I picture the monk being like a very tiny human, bald man, squinty <laughs> eyes, kind of classic like you of would course. picture. Hunched over with a 10,000 mile long beard. Right. Kind of hobbling around. And exactly. You go to, you're like, oh, you're not intimidating. And then they punch you once and your brain explodes. He's probably <laughs> blind. And when the uh, elephant man first came in, he's like, oh, you're a big fella. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. He's like, sit down and enjoy my rice with me. <laughs> um, but I think, uh, you know, they, they got to talking and they hung out for a while. And you know what? Maybe when my character came to him, he was wounded because somebody mistook him for a monster and and tried to hunt him or something. Yeah, of course. Like so, op- Oppa style. Exactly. Yeah. So the monk master takes him in, tends to his wounds, and he says, you know what?
know what? I could use a big, strong fellow like yourself to help lift these big rocks and build my temples. And so I think he then spends like many years with this guy, like learning the ways of being a monk. And he like learns this religion and this way of life. And he becomes his kind of apprentice. And he's like, okay, I'm going to send you out. Uh, I will design the temples and you will build them with your, your big, strong hands. So they sort of spread this monastic tradition out to the other Loxodon that they... I haven't been picturing that... I haven't not... I think you've been seeing the other Loxodon being monks as well. I have not been picturing that. For me, this one Loxodon is a monk, but I don't know. His other people do whatever they want. They're fighters and... and (laughs) They do whatever. But I mean, I I guess I just picture because we talked about them sort of traveling as a family and as a group. Right. And I was picturing that kind of before he became a monk. That's why I wanted to explain my backstory. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. There might be other uh, Loxodon that join this thing, but it wasn't something that I was like, they're all Loxodon. I mean, surely there would be stories of if this is an uncommon type of monk, you know, Mm -hmm. when this character comes through town, people would say, wow, that's weird. We should we should talk about this. Mm -hmm. You know, like rumors would spread. And so maybe their their sort of reputation would run before them a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so other Loxodon would hear that and say, hey, I can do that, too. This is this seems like a great gig. Like, I want to help people. And I've got these big, big, powerful building paws Mm -hmm. or whatever. Big meaty Uh, paws. Yeah, exactly. That that seems an interesting you. It would be a good way to contrive ways for your players to kind of meet a bunch of new NPCs, like characters would just come in and out because they would say, I heard you were traveling here and I want to learn from you. I Mm -hmm. want to follow you. And, you know, you were an apprentice. You can understand what it's like trying to make your way in the world. I want to do that too. Yeah. You know, I think that would be fun. Totally. And speaking of word getting around, I feel like the reputation that would precede my character he would like they would refer to him as ah the temple builder that's kind of what like he's called um apart from his name which i'll have to do a little google search of good like male indian names yeah (laughs) this is also making me think of uh, did you ever see the movie the protector it was a tony jaw martial arts film where i think so i might have looked it up but it's a pretty cool movie i own it we can watch it sometime um but it's a movie where tony jaw is he's this guy who he lives out with these elephants out in out in the jungle and he's basically this it's sort of like his whole life is taking care of these elephants and protecting them and then one day these poachers come and steal them and he goes on this in insane quest to go and like murder all these poachers because he's also this incredible martial artist and he just fights through like a thousand guys to try and get his elephants back that sounds nice Uh, it's really really great you have to Uh, save the ellies yeah it's, it's a very fun movie it's um you've almost certainly seen there's a a a section of the movie at the end where there's this building, it's this huge spiral staircase and there's one long continuous shot where he fights his way all the way up the staircase, up like five stories. Are his elephants at the top of the stairs? No, just the guy who's <laughs> got the elephants is up there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. And he's like throwing people off of like third story balconies through stuff. And it's all like one, you know, continuous take. It's really, really well done. Cool. Um, and yeah, the whole movie is like, you stole my elephants. I'm going to get my elephants back. Yay. It's, it's great. Um, Trunk away home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I like that. That's what I'm picturing here of your character. But very nice. Um, should we maybe pop back into into my absolutely a little bit? Yes, we need to give you a nice little kind of yeah. like climax conclusion. Well, so I, I want to give him a little bit of a racket, honestly, because I talked about having a monk character that was, I, I think, their corruption and their mm-hmm. fall from grace and enlightenment is an important thing. I, I think they go on this journey to try and wipe out all of these other 
these other monks that are in this guild, right? Out okay. of out of jealousy. Because they want to be the only one. Yeah, they, they want because, like I said, they can't achieve this enlightenment. It was held back from them. So if they can't have it, no one should have it, right? And on their journey, you know, they spend so much time traveling around trying to find these monks, but it's hard to track these monks down because one, they have a whole network of you know, monk friends in this guild that are kind of looking out for them. So when you come into town, the word travels fast and they can all kind of go and hide, right? Um, and two, because they're also just incredibly skilled. Mm-hmm. You know, if even if I do find one, it's not like I can just easily go and murder somebody unsuspecting because they've trained to make their body this perfect weapon. They're always aware and they're always kind of looking over their shoulder. You know, they they have they're connected to the universe around them in a way that your average commoner isn't, right? Yeah. So maybe as they're trying to do this, they just have to find ways to survive. And this this racket they kind of develop is they go into a town in the night, they sneak out to a, you know, to a building and they use their, you know, their their monk abilities to punch the the foundation of the building in exactly the right spot that it causes these cracks to ripple up the side. And then the next morning they show up and they say, hey, owner of this building, I can fix this for you. I happen to be a skilled tradesman with the guild of, of repair monks I or can whatever. Fix that. Yeah, I, I, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whole <laughs> style. Um, so they would show up and, you know, they're, they're purposely causing damage to structures and objects and things like that. So they can go in and basically fleece people and say, I, you know, I, I can, I can help you out with that. I can fix it when they were the ones that actually caused the problem in the first place. And that's kind of how they get by day to day is getting paid for fixing the mistakes that they have made. Are they filling it with gold similar to how they learned to do with pottery? Because they, where are they getting their hands on the materials for that? Well, I mean, they, they could probably fill it with whatever they want. I, I think maybe they would have like a, a tiered like repair system. There's like <laughs> different, there's different packages they can buy, right? And they would say, as long as you can, you know, point me towards where I can get these supplies. I can fix it with whatever you want. But, you know, we got our concrete package. We got our silver package. We got our gold package. We've got our, like, you know, mithril package, all these different things. I can work with any of these materials. I'm a skilled craftsman, but, mm-hmm. you know, you got to let me know what you're willing to fork out for this. Dude, you know what else I'm picturing with this is I... When you described like cra- putting a crack in a building, yeah. I immediately thought of, I'm like, that sounds like it would be a really cool piece of like installation art. If you took like a big marble wall and you had a big like, cr- like golden cracks running through oh, it. Oh, cool. Yeah. If your person could also be like, wait a minute, I know all these snobby like elf folk who are just like, they would spend so much money <laughs> on having, you know, this new trending like gold inlaid marble wall, uh, accent wall in their in their castles like i can market that so not only (laughs) am i a weird monk grifter i'm also banksy where i creep out into the night and i vandalize buildings (laughs) as as an art expression of artistic uh energy well i I think you you find a way to um make it trending on fantasy social media yeah okay um all the crows are squawking (laughs) about it yeah say fantasy social media is just talking birds and wanted posters exactly uh, yeah yeah it's like everyone's got their own like pinterest board that's an actual cork board that they carry around and they're like this is so cool <laughs> every time you go into a town you see like a mugshot of somebody and it's like they're canceled dead or alive oh my god <laughs> like, that's what it is and people will walk by and they'll like draw like a little check mark for like a thumbs up or a thumbs down if they like or don't like oh, something I, lo- I love that yeah <laughs> it's, it's like hobo code it's all like written on the wall next yes. to the wanted sign i think this is great they uh your guy manages to make this popular enough that he gets himself onto like some fantasy talk show um yeah, for sure. where they're like they're like so tell us about the new fad that's 
sweeping the kingdom. They would call it's it gold the, leaf cracks everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> the, the talk show would be called the Crystal Ball. You oh my know, god! Where everybody <laughs> watches through their crystal ball. Love so it. Can see this talk show. Yeah. Out in great. rural communities, you have to like try and like channel it through like a puddle of water, yeah. but the signal's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> they have to do it Simba style, where they look in and see the reflection of Mufasa or whatever. And yeah. some jerk yeah. will come by and step in your puddle. You're like, hey, I'm watching this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I I like this actually. I I think this is a a really interesting thing that they go out on this epic revenge quest right they're just so spitefully angry at the world they want to they want to stop everyone from having these monk like powers and then they kind of carve out a a niche for themselves or maybe they become actually really successful and they're still sort of like bitter and cynical and evil but maybe they say hey, I guess I don't really care about revenge anymore because I'm making money again and I've I've built something for myself apart from my family, which is what I wanted in the first place. Right. Well, another thing that's making me think of is like, you know how whenever um, you know, someone's like on trial for murder and then they get off and they're like, Oh, I didn't do it, but then they're still kind of like in the news, they're celebrities, so they get a reality TV show. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's like sure. what this guy did. So like maybe he went on this revenge quest, he got caught, they tried to try him for it, but they didn't have enough evidence, so they let him go, and they're all like, What are you gonna do now? And he's like, I'm an artist. To buy my art. <laughs> I, I love that his character is if OJ Simpson was secretly Banksy. Like that, <laughs> that's that's totally what I'm viewing here now. I like it's it. Absolutely this. And they wear those isotoner gloves oh that OJ Simpson had so that you can't find their fingerprints. Noise. This is really, really good. And this is why, like, the monk who originally let him into his school in the first place is like, I should have seen it from day one when he walked in here with his hat sideways. <laughs> thinking he was hot shit but i was like no maybe that's just a fake douchebag douchebag beard maybe you yeah. could shave it off no but he was he was oj banksy all along OJ banksy. so good okay uh this is there's no way that we're gonna make this character better than nope. this so i want to go ahead and just let this i want to let this breathe and just throw this out into the universe for you listeners uh <laughs> what kind of shenanigans do you think oj banksy would get up to here on, on his own after we let him fly freely um, probably really, making orange juice yeah probably <laughs> we, we really want to hear about uh, how you can find ways to use these characters so if you want to reach out let us know what you think Piper's wonderful benevolent elephant uh, would get up to my so that temple was a, builder that was a fun little slant rhyme I, I did for you it. there benevolent um, elephant yeah, uh, or what OJ Banksy gets up to, please consider reaching out to us and sharing your, your fan art or your fan mail or your fan fiction about these characters, or if you want to use them to make a character of Yon, or if you want to use them, Yon. you know, in your games. Yeah, Yon. Yon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we would love to hear it, and you can find us online, Piper, where at? You can find us on Twitter, at WorldForgePod, at Twitter. Uh, and you can find us on um uh, an email. You can yes. email us. <laughs> you can yeah, see talking is really hard. <laughs> you can see? open up an email and maybe we'll be there. That's what you get for making fun of me for talking. That's at worldforgepod at gmail.com. I'll go ahead and fill in that little crack for you with a little nugget of gold. Sam, I have a question for you. Do you <laughs> yes. think your guy is talented enough that if someone came to them and they're like, Can you make gold inlay crack tattoos like in my skin? Oh, Would they find cool. a way to do that? Could they that would be really neat to be okay. like, and like send gold, like rushing through your veins. I think that's its own character, though, like a tattoo artist, yeah. like, go like gold mancer or whatever. I think that would be really, really neat. Yeah. Um, 
I kind of wish I'd thought of that ahead of time, but also OJ Banksy is probably the best character I've ever made. So, um, that's <laughs> Write also down really good. Uh, gold tattoo artist. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna revisit that. Yeah. I think um, should do a Midas episode. Yeah, gold mages. Cool, I like that. Um, like your character. Yes, that you made in your, uh, Damascus. Yeah, Damascus. We'll gladly talk mage. about Damascus. Cool. That's that's a great. We can have that as a little teaser for y'all. Maybe we'll talk about Damascus and uh, gold mages next week. Hell yeah, uh, in some way. But um, yeah, that's what we got for creations for you this week so now it's time for us to pop on over to the rec room and talk about Hello. some other really really cool uh things out in the universe that we think are other great sources of inspiration yeah. for you um and sam f- says shave your head buy some orange sheets yeah. <laughs> wrap yourself up in them and uh avoid all open flames and, and do karate yeah, <laughs> and, yeah and avoid fire um so what i first want to share actually is uh, a little bit of a throwback here to our episode that we appeared on of uh, Monsters and Multiclass, uh, we talked about monks and artificers and how to combine those into an interesting sort of fun uh, character. I-, I think that was a really, really great episode. We were really lucky to get to go on there. Um, everybody in Monsters and Multiclass is so much fun, and we really appreciate that opportunity. So go and check them out. Uh, we released that episode a few months ago with them, and they've had a ton of other really, really awesome episodes since then. But if you want to hear my justification as to why I think Santa Claus is the perfect example of a monk and artificer co- artificer combination, uh, you should go and listen to that episode. That's uh, Monsters and Multiclass. They're on Twitter at Monsters underscore Multi, and they are available on all major podcasting platforms. Please, please go and listen to them. Yay. Um, the other examples that I wanted to share were uh, a couple of movies that we sort of talked about here. I, I think if you want to look at interesting examples of monks in pop culture media, of course, go and look at all the Ip Man films. They're, they're all amazing. They're so, so good, especially the first one has a really special place in my heart, but they're all three of them are great. Uh, there might even be a fourth one now at this point, hmm. but Donnie Yen is just a beast. Like there is hmm. nothing that guy cannot do. He really like puts his body on the line. It's really impressive. Um, Definitely go and watch uh, any of the Drunken Master films with Jackie Chan. I think The Legend of the Drunken Master was the English title that the first one went under. It's really, really good. It's just kind of crazy, madcap uh, fun. Uh, it's the type of thing that you always expect from Jackie Chan, but because it's sort of an older movie and it was made in China and there aren't as many like Hollywood regulations, there's a lot more of him like literally jumping into burning coals and like mm-hmm. getting third degree burns while they're filming. And like he just, he goes all in on it and it's, yeah. it's really, really impressive what you get from it. Uh, and the other one is Cinderella Man. Um, we, one of our all time favorites. One of our absolute favorite movies. First movie that I cried at in theaters. Oh, it's, it's, and every time we've seen it since we probably cry. I always it. cry. Yeah. It inspires um, me so much. Uh, we talked about James Braddock the boxer a little bit at the top of the episode is a good example of a real life person who I think there's a strong argument for their monk-like devotion to their task. But it's basically about this guy who he was a very successful boxer prior to the Great Depression. And then the Depression hits and he loses everything and he has to kind of claw his way back to the top. And mm-hmm. it's it's a really, really great Ron Howard film that came out in what, like 2006, 2005, something like that. Mid 2000s. I want to say earlier than or that. Early to, early to mid 2000s, something like that. But it's a really, really wonderful film. Uh, Renee Zellweger and, uh, Russell Crowe. 2005. 2005. Okay. Uh, it's, it's delightful and it will definitely make you cry. And, uh, it's just a really great kind of feel good sports boxing film. And Paul Giamatti. And Paul Giamatti, of course, is in it. So, uh, those are our recommendations for you. Uh, Cinderella Man, Legend of the Drunken Master, and go and listen to Monsters and Multiclass. Uh, any of their episodes, but especially our episode that we appeared on. Uh, yeah. we're talking about monk artificers. Um, that I think 
brings us to the, the conclusion the end of the show of the episode yeah mm-hmm. this week um we hope you had fun we sure did we did yeah this is a really good one i i really want to do more episodes like this where we just get a very simple prompt and we can just run wild with it i think we did get some very unique sort of takes on the monk class so we hope this has been useful for you and again we encourage you to find ways to share what you do with these characters with us in whatever way is most convenient. Um, if you want to continue to support the show, of course, your listenership is the number one thing that you can do to support us. Continue to listen to the show, but also consider sharing it with a friend. Uh, if there's somebody that you think needs a little shot of inspiration to help build a better D&D world, to help build a better D&D character, please tell them about World Forge. We mm-hmm. really, really appreciate that. And consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcasting app of choice. That is such a great way to help get our podcast in front of new listeners and it also just makes our day we love reading those reviews and seeing uh just what people think of what we do it's it's really really wonderful so uh consider doing all those things and uh uh, until next week uh we appreciate you all we love you all Mm -hmm. and goodbye and goodbye see you later